What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a wonderful start to your Friday. Certainly want to wish a happy holiday season to all of our listeners, including your family, your friends, your loved ones, and all of Braves country. Hope that the holiday season is happy and healthy for each and every one of you. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power Podcast and the podcast to be named later, all at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSBN, across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast platforms. Wherever you choose to listen, that's where we'll be for free. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll get the latest content when it's available. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. So this week, besides the uh, Jordan Leplow signing on Monday, this week has, has been defined by the aftermath of a move the Braves did not make last weekend and obviously a move that the Mets made earlier this week. Of course, I'm talking about, you know, Dansby Swanson signing with the Chicago Cubs, but also the news that has happened over the past 24, 36 hours. Carlos Correa, who had originally had signed with the San Francisco Giants, then turned around and once a failed physical occurred, signed a 12-year, $315 million deal with the New York Mets. We'll discuss that a little bit more later on in this episode, but definitely a turn of events that's significant when it comes to the Braves and the NL East and overall the National League. You know, we've lost our shortstop, you know, who's been a mainstay for this Braves team over the past six to seven years, and now the Mets have definitely, you know, this is this is a significant, significant addition. You know, we had talked about the Mets' moves so far this offseason, basically them reassembling the same team that they had last year. Well, now adding Correa, that definitely is a significant addition. That is something that makes them clearly better than they were last year. So obviously uh, a significant move by the Mets who continue to spend in order to put, the, to put the best product on the field to hopefully be a World Series contender for 2023 and beyond. But before we really talk about that, let's talk about the move that the Braves did not make, and that was not re-signing Dansby Swanson. And if you've listened over the past few days to the Battery Power Podcast Network, there's been plenty of content out there, you know, discussing, you know, the reasons as to why it was probably logical for the Braves to not go as high as the Cubs did in re-signing Swanson. But I do think that a bit of a fun perspective is that now with Swanson in Chicago, where does Swanson really rank? when it comes to his tenure as a Brave shortstop. And his time as a Brave shortstop, how does he compare to other shortstops in the history of the Braves? And the thing about it is this, is that I don't think that anyone can say with true confidence that if someone wanted to claim that Dansby Swanson is the best shortstop in Braves history, it's hard to make that argument. You know, number one, there are others who have simply played significantly longer 
as a Brave than Dansby Swanson did. Now, when you look at career FWAR, when it comes to the Braves franchise, which has been around, you know, since, you know, <laughs> the basically the late mid-1800s. But going back as far as 1871, when you go through the Boston, the Milwaukee, and the Atlanta days for the Braves, Dansby Swanson, in terms of career war for Brave, he ranks seventh among Brave shortstops. Now, those that are ahead of him, Jeff Blauser and Raphael Fercal, are the main shortstops during the Atlanta era. The top four shortstops all played either earlier in the 1900s or in the 1800s. So certainly that's relevant. You know, it's hard to say that Dansby Swanson is clearly the best shortstop that the Braves have ever had. And it's even hard to say that's the case when it comes to the Atlanta era of the Braves franchise since 1966. Since 1966 in the Atlanta era, the top three shortstops are Jeff Blauser with 19.4 FWAR, Raphael Fercal with 17.9 FWAR, and then Dansby Swanson with 16.2 FWAR. Now, the thing is, Jeff Blauser, he obviously accumulated his value playing significantly longer with the Braves. He had over 1,500 more plate appearances in his time with Atlanta. Raphael Fercal, according to Fangrass, was more valuable in his time as a Brave, though he basically had half a season longer in the Braves uniform plate appearance-wise than Dansby Swanson. So in terms of saying that Swanson was the best Braves shortstop ever, in terms of longevity, in terms of looking at it as a career, it's hard to make that it's hard to make that argument. I don't necessarily think it's wrong to make that argument. It's just hard to make that argument. And I know that some folks have had some fun looking at the fact that, you know, Jeff Blauser, after his time with the Braves, he actually also went to play for the Cubs. Blauser played from 1987 through 1999, from 87 to 97, was with Atlanta, and then was with the Cubs in 98 and 99. Well, now, of course, you've got another shortstop in Dansby Swanson who's going from the Braves to the Cubs. But one thing that's kind of fun, that's kind of eye-opening, is comparing Dansby Swanson and Jeff Blauser through their age 28 seasons. That specific time fan for Jeff Blauser was from 1987 through 1994. And for Dansby Swanson, that was 2016 through 2022. But it's pretty eye-opening. You know, they're not just, you know, identical, but they're pretty similar. You know, over that time frame, Jeff Blauser had a 271 average, Dansby Swanson 255. Jeff Blauser had a 765 OPS, while Dansby Swanson had a 738 OPS. Jeff Blauser had a WRC plus of 110, while Dansby Swanson had a WRC plus of 99. When it came to F-War, Jeff Blauser was worth 12.5 F-War, Dansby Swanson 16. What kind of gave Swanson the edge was power as well as defense. So in their times from the start of their Braves career through the age 28 season, Dansby Swanson was more valuable. He was a bit better and more consistent defensively, while Jeff Blauser had a bit higher floor offensively. But in, you know, a general type of way, they were, they were pretty comparable in terms of their overall offense with Dansby having the stronger defense. And of course, when you throw for Colin there with his speed and his defense, his overall productivity at the top of the lineup, maybe not necessarily as comparable when it comes to skill set as Blauser and Swanson are, but overall value-wise, I think it's clear those are your top three brave shortstops since they've been in Atlanta. Perhaps Andrelton Simmons would be the fourth best, mainly due to his defense.
But what does separate Dansby Swanson from the rest of the group? I think is the fact that he has shown the highest peak of any brave shortstop in franchise history because I feel that you certainly can argue he has the best all-around package when it comes to his contributions to the game of baseball skill set-wise than any shortstop has in Braves franchise history. And that's backed by the fact that he has the best singular season in franchise history, which was last year. His 6.4 F4 is the highest single season F4 from a Brave shortstop. It's the most value. He had the most valuable season of a Brave shortstop in franchise history. When we talk about all around skill set, that's the product that happens. Because of the many different ways he can contribute to success on the diamond, that's why he has the best single season F4 in franchise history. When you look at home runs, Dansby Swanson has the best ISO of any Braves shortstop who has 3,000 or more plate appearances in Braves franchise history. He has the two highest single-season home run totals of any shortstop in Braves franchise history. And he also is one of only two Braves shortstops to win a gold club, obviously along with Andrelton Simmons. So when it comes to the discussion of where does Dansby Swanson rank in the hierarchy of brave shortstops. You may not necessarily be able to say with full confidence he's the best brave shortstop in terms of a career in franchise history. And that's fine. But what I do think you can say with confidence is that he has produced the highest peak in franchise history of any brave shortstop. And if you want to say he's the best all-around shortstop the Braves have had, I think statistics can back that up as well. So it just goes to show how relevant Dansby Swanson is in the history of the franchise, but also the fact that he could have not come along at a better time than this era when it comes to power, when it comes to defense, and and, and all the different ways in which a shortstop hopefully can contribute to the game. Dansby Swanson clearly stands out among his peers in franchise history. It's a fun debate. It's pretty cool to see that Jeff Blauser and Dansby Swanson aren't necessarily that far apart when it comes to production. But also to give Dansby his due, again, may not necessarily be able to say he's the clearly best shortstop in franchise history, but you can certainly stay and be backed by numbers that he has shown the highest peak in terms of Braves shortstop in franchise history, and that's a reason why he'll be missed. And even though it may make sense that the Braves were not able to extend to him the money that the Cubs were, You definitely appreciate the value that he added, and it couldn't have come at a better time for both him and the franchise in terms of the success for the Braves and for Swanson himself. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. So though it may be a bit bittersweet to see the Dansby Swanson era end in Atlanta, 
it's fun to look back and kind of see where he compares, you know, to his peers, at least when it comes to, you know, brave shortstops of the past and, you know, really get an appreciation uh, of, of how successful Swanson was and how productive he was at the right time, you know, for the Braves, you know, as he was obviously a big contributor to the World Series run in 2021 and then again had the best single season a Braves shortstop has ever had in 2022. But while it's fun to look back at what has occurred in the past, Dansby Swanson is now a Chicago Cub, and the Braves certainly are still looking to potentially see what they could do at the shortstop position. Again, they may fill that spot with Vaughn Grissom or Orlando Arcee. I still feel very confident when I say that the starting shortstop in 2023 for the Braves is outside of the organization. I do think there's a lot of sense in potentially signing Elvis Andrews to a deal to be the brave shortstop at least in 2023. But of course, you know, it's relevant to discuss what other teams have done. And that's especially the case when it comes to the New York Mets. And obviously they have been in the headlines over the past 24 to 36 hours. Owner Steve Cohen just spending at will much higher than anybody has in recent memory. And, you know, potentially, you know, it could have, you know, negative ripple effects around Major League Baseball. But at the end of the day, Steve Cohen's focus is assembling a World Series contender, not only for next year, but for years to come. And just to be honest with you, he's doing exactly that. As I mentioned, the moves up until this point were basically reassembling the same team that the Mets had last year. The addition of Carlos Correa is a significant addition that puts the Mets up there with anybody else in the National League. Dodgers, Braves, Phillies, Cardinals, Padres, what have you. The Mets are right there. They are going to be a favorite for the NL pennant. But when you look at the Mets and the moves that they made and where they stand going forward, where do kind of the Braves and the Mets compare? I know that projections are fun and numbers are fun to look at, but in a general sense, when you really start to break down the Braves versus the Mets, where do the Braves have an advantage? I think if you look at five different categories, which would be position players, starting rotation, fielding, and bullpen, and power, I think it gets interesting. When it comes to the starting rotation, I think things are comparable. But I do think that the Mets may have a bit higher Ceiling, and if you look at it in an unbiased sense, I think you can make an argument either way, but if you want to give, you know, if you want to tip your hat towards the Mets, that's fine. That's fine. I think it's very comparable, and I know that there's more kind of, you know, star power in in, in the Mets rotation, Um, but, you know, if you want to give the Mets the advantage in the starting rotation, that's fine. Position player group, I can understand the Mets. All around, they probably do have a better position player group. Their defense was better last year. I think they're, you can make the argument their lineup is deeper, which I think is a fair argument, especially with the addition of Correa. And I do think that all around, again, their position player group is, is very, very strong. We talk about how amazing the Braves infield has been over the past few years. Well, now you've got a Mets infield of Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor, and Carlos Correa. It's hard to argue there's a better (laughs) infield in the majors now. That's fine. So starting rotation-wise, position group-wise, if you want to give that edge to the Mets, 
perfectly fine. If you want to give defense to the Mets, that's fine as well. But here's the thing that still holds true for Atlanta, in my opinion. Defensively, this team has made good moves or is going to get back value in areas defensively where it matters with these new rules. With the advantages that base runners will have and the lack of a shift. And especially if this team can sign a defense first shortstop, you'll have Michael Harrison center, Ozzy Albies at second, a good defensive shortstop, and Sean Murphy behind the plate. Of the three players that the Braves have already in those positions at center, second, and catcher, they have gold glove contenders at each of those positions. You've got an excellent, you've got a very good defensive first baseman in Matt Olson. You've got a plus defender at times with one of the best arms in the league in Ronald Acuna Jr. in right field. So defensively, if you want to make the argument the Mets are a better team, that's fine. But the Braves certainly have closed that gap, I feel, this offseason. But here is where I think the difference still remains, especially when it comes to the postseason. Even if you were to make the argument that position player group-wise all around, the Mets right now have a better position player group than the Braves, that's perfectly fine. But I do think that it's relevant, and I do think that it is significant that one of the things that stood out last year when you compared the offenses of the Braves and the Mets is that the Braves had significantly higher power when it came to their overall production. They were one of the most powerful teams in the majors last year when it came to their overall production at the plate. The Braves last year were second in home runs in the majors with 243 home runs. The Mets were 15th with 171. Now, at the end of the day, the Braves only scored 17 more runs than the Mets in the season. But the reason why that power stands out as being a significant advantage for the Braves, even with the addition of Carlos Correa to the Mets lineup, that's what wins in the postseason. The ability to, at one at bat, significantly impact the outcome of the game, that takes on more value in the postseason, and I still think that the Braves have the advantage in that area compared to the Mets. And that's just one area. The other area that I think the Braves potentially have the advantage, I think you can make a clear argument, is the bullpen. I do think the Braves have a higher ceiling and have a deeper bullpen than the Mets do. Though you, I think it's without a doubt clear that in, if you were to compare both bullpens, the Mets have the best reliever, obviously, in Edwin Diaz. I still think, though, that the Braves had the best overall bullpen. They had the deeper bullpen. So the Braves, on paper right now, maybe a bit behind the Mets. If you want to make that argument, that's fine. But what wins when it matters? What stands out when it matters? Two examples. The 2021 playoffs. What won the Braves? The World Series. 
a dominant bullpen that struck people out, and being able to outpower their opponents. What allowed the Braves at the end of last year to get the three-game sweep they needed to win the division? Outpowering the Mets and having the more productive bullpen. So if you want to say that the Mets are the better roster at this point in time, that's perfectly fine. In time, we'll see if that's still the case, barring what we foresee, barring what happens for the rest of the offseason. But I do think that it's significant that you can make an argument, and I feel you can make a confident one, that the Braves still have higher potential when it comes to power and bullpen production. And there have been multiple examples over the past few years where that is what has allowed the Braves to reach a higher level when they needed to compared to the Mets. And it's fun to point that out. We'll see if that happens in time. Again, make no mistake, the Mets are right up there with any team in the National League now. That's what they've done to assemble talent. But I do think that when it comes to roster setups, when it matters most, the Braves are right there with the Mets still, and they potentially have the advantage where it matters most in terms of being able to hit home runs and getting productivity out of the bullpen. We'll see if that continues to be true as 2023 gets closer in time. But wait! The best podcast content that could be out there is the news that comes while you're recording the podcast, and that's exactly what we have for this episode of The Daily Hammer. A bit of late-night news when it comes to the Braves. The Atlanta Braves have acquired first baseman Lewin Diaz from the Baltimore Orioles for cash considerations. Now, let's put this in a broader scope. When the Braves traded six prospects slash members of their 40-man roster, not all of the players that they traded were on the 40-man roster, but the Sean Murphy trade opened up multiple spots on the Braves 40-man roster, and since then they have made moves to fill those spots. They've acquired Hoy Park from the from the Boston Red Sox. They've signed Jordan Luplau to a major league deal to potentially be a lefty masher. You know the 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 weak side of the platoon potentially with Eddie Rosario in left field. And now they have acquired first baseman Lewin Diaz from the Baltimore Orioles. Now, if the name Lewin Diaz sounds familiar, it should because the majority of his major league career has been with the Florida Marlins. He started his career as a highly talented prospect in the Minnesota Twins organization, was traded to the Marlins for Sergio Romo in 2019, and the Marlins have given him a couple of extended opportunities to stick at the major league level in time. And while he did have a bit of success... In 2021, when he produced a 788 OPS against right-handed pitching, overall, Diaz has certainly struggled at the plate at the major league level. A career 567 OPS so far in his major league career. And because of his struggles at the plate, that would explain why he's bounced between the Marlins, to the Pirates, to the Orioles, and now to the Braves over the past few months. 
But though he struggled offensively at the major league level, there is at least a bit of an intrigue. There's a bit of logic as to why the Braves made the move to add him to the 40-man roster. For one, Diaz has had a 800 OPS or better and a 500 slugging percentage or better at the AAA level in both 2021 and 2022. So while he hasn't hit yet at the major league level, he's produced pretty decently at the AAA level. But beyond that, Diaz has shown an incredibly effective glove at first base. Now that may not seem to be that big of a source of value for the Braves when they already have Matt Olson in place, who he who himself is a very strong glove at first place. The Braves have Matt Olson at first base for the next eight years. So acquiring an excellent defender at first base probably doesn't necessarily make sense on the surface when it comes to the Braves' 40-man roster. But the Braves may see, and, and this includes their familiarity with Diaz when he was with the Marlins, perhaps the Braves see some potential to tap into when it comes to his production against right-handers. That really stands out as Diaz's ability to eventually add any sort of value to being a Brave, which would be a left-handed option off the bench or in case of injury, perhaps filling in for Olsen in time. So this is purely an organizational depth move for the Braves to go out and get a talent that they're familiar with to bring into the organization, and perhaps they can turn him into something of value as time goes on. Can't thank you enough for joining us here on the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. You can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power Podcast, the Road to Atlanta Podcast, all at BatteryPower.com, as well as at BatteryPowerSBN across all forms of social media. And the thing is that we're free on all podcast platforms. Wherever you choose to listen, that's where we'll be for free. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll get the latest content when it's available. My name my name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. Again, hopefully, until we speak next time, each and every one of you, your family, your friends, y'all have the best holiday season, happy and healthy holiday season you possibly can have. We'll talk to you again soon here on The Daily Hammer. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.